Hello and welcome to my podcast, How I Teach Golf. My name's Duncan Walger and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi Steve, how are you doing? I'm good, Duncan, and you? Yeah, very well, thank you, very well. Great to have you on the podcast. Um, Really looking forward to this uh, discussion. Um, I'll be honest, Steve, I don't know too much about how you got into the game and uh, who your influences were or how you you ended up where where you are now. So can you tell us all a bit about that? Cool. I'm not sure whether my memory is that long, actually, at the age I am (laughs) now, but uh, I'll do my best. Uh, I think I started playing golf when I, I was about, nine or ten I think my uncle played a little bit um and he uh, I've got a kind of a a fairly distant relative or a couple of relatives who are golf pros as well now okay. uh we, we kind of started at the same time we didn't play any golf together interestingly except for the same school team I was a little younger but we started putting in the back garden and then we graduated to a a nine hole golf course in Birmingham at Harbin um and then sort of gradually moved on from there, I suppose. So that's that's how that's how I started to play golf. Had some junior yeah. coaching early doors, um, and then got my handicap down. Used to play a bit of golf um, for the local county stuff. Got my handicap down, I think, to two, um, and then you could turn pro. I think if your handicap was four or less, and did the PGA thing and. Uh, it all started from there, I suppose, really. So that was certainly early days. Um, influence. I always used to remember those pro-celebrity golf things that used to be on the television. You're probably yeah. too young for that, I reckon. No, I still remember them. I'm, 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 very, I'm very fortunate in that my mum actually worked for Jimmy Tarbuck. So I didn't know, but I actually, uh, Jimmy's known me since I was three years old. And he gave me my first pair of golf shoes that were two sizes too big. And we stuffed... Uh, paper down the bottom of them and all that sort of stuff so anytime I was uh with my mum round at round at Jimmy's house I used to stick on the pro celebrity golf and watch him play with you know Lee Trevino or Seve or Tom Watson you know with Peter Alice and then you know and all the other celebs so I, I, it, it was a program for um I wish something like that could come back I don't know how it would work but I still think there's with all the amount of celebrities that we have, um, I still think there's a there's room for something like that. Absolutely, I think that was the, certainly my initial driving force. It was fun. Used to, used to have a comedian or two, so it attracted other family members to it as well. Yeah, it wasn't just my dad and I. Um, and there wasn't a on the telly then. I mean, there would have been the Open Championship, maybe, and the masters but it, that would have my early days certainly the thing the television golf television program that stuck in my mind a little bit yeah so it was kind of fun it was on a, a time where you could watch telly i mean it's, it's like the european tour on sky uh, sunday afternoon saturday afternoons a difficult thing to watch you know i mean you can tape it and watch things at, you, at your own sort of leisure pga tour is a little bit easier on a saturday and sunday evening when mm-hmm. you tend to be at home so you know, certainly that was a prime time. I remember, I seem to remember it was on a Saturday. 
uh, Sunday, sorry, um, on BBC Two, and yeah. there were some lovely places like Turnbury and Glen Eagles, yeah. and uh, and Tom Watson's my hero. So okay, he started, he, he started me off trying to pursue, but he was the best player then. You know, Nicholas was just fading slightly, and Watson was taking over, and um, I, I remember him more than most in the, in that sort of time really and uh, you know certainly from it was that tv experience that sort of took me forward really so so following on from that uh you turned pro you did your pga training was that was that lily shaw it was at lily shaw yeah absolutely it was a it was the, the course there i seem to remember it being in january or february and snow on the ground and this sort of stuff i uh, i started off i suppose my um uh, my first job was in the Midlands, so uh, just south of Wolverhampton, a mm-hmm. place called Hoveringham, as it was there. But actually, I think the course is now called Swindon or South Staffordshire Championship. I'm not sure. It's changed its names about 20 times. Okay. Um, uh, not far from Enville, uh, where I, I played a little bit as well. And I've got a good friend who's the, the club pro there. Um, and then I moved to Surrey. So I was at uh, Burr Hill Golf Club for... Um, oh, it must have been a good eight years, I think. Uh, who was that uh, with? So that was with initially with Brian Patterson. Yeah. So Brian was uh, the regional English golf union coach at that particular time. So he used to take uh, a lot of good players. So I kind of learnt the coaching skills, which is probably the side of the business I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I kind of favour uh, through through my career, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to, you know, I used to Jimmy Tarbuck used to come for lessons. Now you mentioned him, yeah. So of Brian, um, and we used to have uh, Peter Thompson used to come occasionally. Henry Cotton was a member um, back then. I always remember him coming into the pro shop on my first day there, and we were always told that you, if a pro comes into the shop, they have to show their PGA card. Yeah. Uh, to go, <laughs> you know what's coming, don't you? So, uh, <laughs> so, so this slightly. Older chap come in with a bit of a tatty cardigan on and said, "Oh, he said, I'm, uh, is it okay if I go out? I'm playing with so and so, so and so. Have you got your PGA card?" And he kind of looked at me a bit strange and walked out. And the member said, "Oh, it's, it's Henry Cotton. Didn't you recognise him?" Well, then, oh, sorry. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so I always, I always remember that. that was my first day at Burr oh. Hill. So welcome to Burr Hill. So. Welcome to Burr Hill. Brilliant. Had a great time there, great club, and then it was a, a real nice members' club. They really looked after you. Um, I remember being away at Christmas, and one of the members said, "Oh, you got to come around for Christmas dinner." You know, away. I didn't drive then, so yeah, you know, it was it was brilliant. They were really really good. I I really enjoyed my time there. So after Burr Hill, so you were you picking up your coaching skills from Brian, and then yeah, and then Lee, I worked for Lee Johnson for a while as well. Yeah, Lee, I took over from from Brian at the club, so. Uh, a lot of coaching skills, hopefully, from, from both of them. Brian, probably a little bit more of an influence. And then, um, and then I, it, it, in Surrey, it, at that time, I think I was about 25. It, it's, it's difficult to get a head pro's job in the area. The, the, mm. the, the remit is experience, your own, your own job, slightly older. Okay, so with that sort of experience, so you kind of have to move away to another area. So I got my first job in Devon. Um, um, Mike Robinson, I think, who was the PGA South Region Secretary at the time, helped me get um, the access of reference and he helped me get a job down here at a place called Fingal Glen, which is just on the A30 
going towards uh, Oakhampton and Cornwall. Yeah, um, it was it was the first ever pay and play golf course in Devon. Wow. Uh, with a driving range, with nine whole course to the range, and I was thinking this is going to be great. Saturday mornings, they're going to be queuing here at four o'clock for a game of golf. Yeah, know? and then Saturday's game, and there was no one there. It was it's the weirdest thing ever. And of course, <laughs> I was thinking, what, what's going on? Of course, nobody was used to playing golf. Playing yeah, um, it got busier, thankfully. But um, and then, and then of course, there's different things to do. There's so many more. So many in the summer. There's so many. You, the competition is. Is the beach, yeah. So yeah. on a sunny day, you know, where is everybody? Why are they playing golf? Well, sure enough, they're at the beach, and that still happens today. Certainly, weekends if it's sunny, we've had this really hot spell. Yeah. And now I'm at a, I'm at the city centre golf range. Uh, I'm not a thing of any longer, but uh, uh, it's it's still the same. If it's on a on a red hot day in the summer, we couldn't be any quieter. Wow. You know, so whereas if you're in, you know, in a, in a city, mm. beaches close by, then, um, you know, then people tend to play sport more, I suppose. So, but it's, it's, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to win when the beaches are crowded, you know, where they're coming from, they're coming yeah. from the area, you know, so especially if you've got kids. So, uh, and it's a big, it's a big county. So it's quite interesting. It's a different dynamic down yeah. in the southwest than it is in other areas of the UK. So how long have you been at your current facility? How long have you been there? So I've been at the well, I, we ran I ran the golf we rent rent the golf facility here, the driving range at Clifton Hill from mm-hmm. Exeter City Council. So we've had that now for probably twenty years, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um but we ran it I ran it at the same time as being the head pro at uh, at Fingal Glen. And mm-hmm. we also had an, another academy at uh, a place called Portmore, which is in North Devon, but it, you know, with three venues, and we'd started our technology business then, uh, gas system. So you know, it was just too much really to do Fingal Glen properly, do North Devon properly, and then do Clifton Hill. So I decided to kind of base myself at the golf range where my office is today, where I'm speaking to you from. So how did you kind of, how did GASP come about? How did GASP systems come about? Um, did you fall into it? Was it a conversation with someone? Did you see a gap in the market? Was it none of those or all of those? Or Probably a bit of all of those, really. There's, there's, I've, I've, always, I've always coached for a long time, pretty much full time. So even when I was at, at Fingal Glen, they had some, I think, and they had a crash, I think, in the 90s, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then the, the golf club went into receivership, so they couldn't really pay my retainer anymore. Um, but they were quite happy for me to teach at the facility. So I, and at that point, I turned into a full-time coach. Um, and then I, 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 I bought a computer teaching system from a company in the US. I think I must have been the first compute golf coach who used a computer teaching system. I can't think there'd be many people ahead of me um, from that perspective. So I started with that. And then we opened this academy at Clifton Hill and I, I needed another system. So I spoke to the same company again and they gave me a price. And because I'd bought it from the States, the company then that was selling it over here, yeah, uh, it, it cost a lot more. Um, and then just by chance, I was my dentist. He's a mad computer buff. Yeah, I was having a golf lesson. I said, "Oh, what do you think of this system I bought from the US? You know, I paid all this money, which is more than my car at the time. I seem to remember." Um, <laughs> and nothing something, changed. Something's haven't changed, then, Steve. <laughs> no, nothing has changed. <laughs> um, so uh, I said, "What do you think of this?" He said, oh, it's, 
it's really rubbish, isn't it, Steve? And I said, what do you mean it's rubbish? Oh. I've just spent all this money, you know, what's going on? He said, well, I've just, doing, I've just been doing some consultancy work for a video capture company for dentistry down in Torquay. And uh, he said, I said, well, as it happens, I need another system. Do you think these guys could write me a program? And I like this about this other program and that, but I quite like it if it did this and that. So these two guys came along. Um, I showed them what I wanted. And they gave me a price. Yeah. And uh, I decided to go for it. I remember the first time, so I don't mind saying that, they gave me a quote for £10,000. Okay. Which was the same approximately as buying a new system mm. um, from this other company. And I thought, well, worst case scenario, I've got a, I've got a system for myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. Kind of a year later, took a while, and £40,000 later, Okay, we got to at the end of development um, and uh, I had a program. And then I remember in the first two years, we sold none. Oh. (laughs) I think just just almost ahead of the time because nobody was really using it then. So, But then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and people, you know, started to use these type of systems to coach with. And nowadays it's it's quite commonplace. I think, you know, you're absolutely in the minority now if you're not using some form of technology. Yeah. Uh, to coach with, whether it be video or launcher monitors or 3D systems, force plates, pressure mats, this type of stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've got, I think I'm glad that the golf profession has, has got more professional and decides to measure their data more and quantify what they're saying and not dreaming up nice stories that sound sound great but are unreal i think it's good that they're using the science side of it and combining it with the field strike coaching element side of it now which you know hopefully golfers are improving over time so so when i presume you still coach absolutely i still like to keep my hand in my my main focus is on our technology business we've we've got we sell systems from australia to america yeah so we've got distributors in a variety of countries. We do most of our development now in our US office. Okay. Uh, because the guy, one of the guys here, we ended up taking them on full time and he emigrated several years ago now. So we decided to open a US office. So we do all our, all our development there. Uh, I could do with the pound getting a little bit stronger against the dollar because it's cost yes. me a small fortune. A little painful um, at the moment. Yes, yeah, I agree. Really painful, <laughs> um, so, so we've, We've done all of that, and transport's got easier. You can get around the world now, pretty yeah. easy compared with what you could do twenty years ago. Um, but I still coach. I think it's, I enjoy it probably more now than I did when I taught eighty lessons a week for that amount of years. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's it's I find it more exciting now to do a little bit bit of tuition. I was coaching this morning, for example, all morning. We had we tend to try and do longer evaluation sessions so for maybe for lessons for a couple of hours you know using all the technology that we can muster here at the facility as well as we do a lot of group classes but have coaches that do that now but i think it's good to keep your hand in it's good to it's good to keep in touch with the coaching side of it it's not all about technology it's 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 as much about coaching and using that information effectively so when if if you've got a new person turning up um for a lesson with you steve let's say they've they've booked online you've not met them before is there a like a questionnaire or is there is there a process that you go through when you're meeting someone for the first time and then what technology will you use in that first session 
Well, it really it really depends on the person. I think it, it starts for me certainly with a conversation prior to them actually turning for us. And if they booked online, we we would normally send them an email. Yeah. Uh, in that email is, are a few questions. It's an automated email that we send out, uh, and then hopefully they reply um, with a little bit more insight on what they're trying to do with their game and, and what they're looking for for help. Wise, I mean, we had a, a golf professional from um, South Wales come this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd heard about what we do. Uh, he he contacted contacted us and wanted to book a lesson. Uh, and then we asked him lots of questions. He was keen to use our 3D system. Okay. Uh, and then our force plates and and the launch monitor. And I think launch monitor and video is kind of standard standard i suppose really yeah. these days um but the additional things that we do like the full space and the 3d system is kind of above and beyond what i would say a regular coaching area would have to offer and we're fortunate because we can we're developing selling and using so it's not just it's not just using so for him he was keen to have a go on the 3d system and the force plates he you know is at the level that he would prepare to spend the type of money that we command for a couple of hours session okay um to do that i mean we're we're not the cheapest in uh, doing this but we we try and offer a service that certainly nobody else can offer so do you find people seek you out because you have the technology yeah i would say that's true but it's not for everyone so i no. mean one, one of the my my successful coaches at the facility hardly uses any technology at all so for a lot of customers you know it's it's too much for them you know they would rather keep it simple uh, and then just do one little thing at a time. And it's as much about the experience that they're having. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're a club golfer and you're a lady and it's, you know, you're 36 handicap and you've been 36 handicap for the last 10 years, we're not going to inflict the biomechanics 3D force plate and 3D system on you. I mean, that's just not sensible. There are easier things to to use technology-wise to get your point across. So it, I think you start with video. You know, yeah. I think people start with video. You can get you can hone people's technique down to a point. Okay. So let's say plus or if you were making measurements plus or minus 10 degrees mm-hmm. with your eyesight. And I think you know, then launch monitors are really, it's more of the product of what's happening. So you can certainly use that. Uh, I tend to always look at it a little bit the other way. It's a cause and effect. I'm, I'm more like the cause rather than the effect, even though you're trying to change the effect. And then, you know, the other technical systems we have, like the 3D system, is going to get plus or minus a degree. Yeah. And then, um, and the same sort of things with the launch monitors. And then our force plates that we use, you just can't see that at all on video. So, you know, that's, that's giving you just a, another level of information that you can choose or choose not to use. So how did you, so the first system that you, that you, that you built essentially was a video capture system that you could draw lines and make notes. Was that? That's it. Absolutely. You could compare last week's swing to this swing and compare your swing to whatever other swings you had on the system. And then you could do a recording of that and then you could send it to your pupils. And then from there, what kind of what layers then went on top of that, Steve? How was the progression? Can you and almost can you put it in years? Can you remember when you first started to use a launch monitor? Yeah. So the I think the first so video was the first thing the first 
launch monitor we ever use is something called the Golf Achiever. Okay. okay. It was a laser system yeah. that I think came on the market 2002, something like that. Okay. It was the only launch monitor, the very first launch monitor. Okay. And we integrated that into our software as well as selling it here in Europe. Um, then that died away and there was uh, another product, I think a launch monitor called uh, a Vector, I think it was called. You see, when I was at Wentworth, we used the Vector. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's and that there are derivatives of that now. So Skytrack yeah. is a similar thing, and uh, Foresight GC2 similar thing. Camera-based technology, using a couple of cameras tracking the ball in the club. Um, and then I think I was I've got I had the fir- the fourth trackman in the world. <laughs> okay, the very fourth one that came off the press. Yeah. So I've I've known Klaus uh, a long time at uh, Trackman, who's one of the owners, uh, and Frederick had just started working there. And I, I paid him a visit, uh, and he showed me through the system, and he gave me a system to use, which I had for years and years and years. And then I've now got a newer Trackman that we use at the facility. Uh, and then we have. But didn't a... the original Trackman like give you four numbers? Yeah, I think it gave you more than that. I had a Trackman, okay. Trackman two. Yeah, uh, and it, 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 yeah, and I, I, I must have been. I had it until two years ago, something like that. So, you know, so it's uh, and then I think it, one of its legs that prop it up kind of collapsed, and it was a big box thing. It looks far <laughs> sexier now than what it ever did. I think he's got a, a product designer in, in, involved now and a, and a marketing team. But yeah. they're a very successful company. They've done a very good job, and I think most of the. Most of the products now are just everybody's polished their products. So it's just getting they're getting better and better and better. So basically, so with the launch monitors, you you've, you've taken all the launch monitors that are essentially on the market, and all of those you can integrate into your video analysis software. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Because a lot of our customers, are, you know, use a variety of things. So we 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 still obviously develop our video analysis stuff. Um, I think we, the one thing we did we at those early days. I suppose between changing from Golf Achiever before Trackman, we were using a force plane. So, okay. So it was that early. It was quite primitive, but it was giving you what pressure plates give you these days. And that was oh, a long time ago, 15 years ago, probably. Okay. I've still got one, you know, in the back. It looks odd and a bit shabby now, but it's just a chunk of metal with strain gauges on. So ultimately, which is what force plates are. They're a little bit more technical than that these days. But the uh, again, it was prob- at that point, I think, way ahead of what what uh, the market was really wanting to use at that mm-hmm. particular time or knew how to use because I don't think the scientists and the biomechanists really had got involved in golf at, at that point. So, you know, everybody was getting this data, but, I mean, it's all good having data, but what do you do with it? You know, what does it mean? You know, So when you when you found out that there was a launch monitor for golf or when there was a pressure plate as it was for, for golf. Did you then go and speak to the developers of their products to find out if they were interested in getting into golf or were they, were they uh, bio, biomechanics and bits and pieces that were interested in getting in golf and they developed a product kind of which way round was it? Did you find it for you? 
Uh, a bit of both. It depends on the product. The launch monitor guys, they were they're obviously focused very much on golf. They could see golf as probably the biggest sports market for that particular product. Yeah. Um, so the, the the pressure guys, then I think that's people searching these companies out. Um, so the likes of Body Track, Sand Balance, um, AMTI, these type of people now are are really utilizing some equipment that comes from more of a medical stroke sports university biomechanics background. And mm-hmm. I think, I think golf coaches are heading more towards setting up what they would call labs, you know, sort of biomechanics labs where they can do exactly what a university can do. And I think part of that is because golf pros have become more biomechanics and physics educated now over the last sort of five or six years yeah i would say to my son there's no point in buying a car at the moment unless you know how to drive it yeah so and i think the same could be true of a golf coach if you have no idea what a force place can do there's no point in getting the best thing is to go and learn it about this stuff first and then find a way of then utilizing that information in your golf lesson yes so taking taking that idea what who would you have said for you have been the bigger biggest influences kind of on your you know shaping your system so integrating you've mentioned klaus and 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 frederick obviously has there been people within the the force plate and pressure plate uh, area or the 3d area that have heavily influenced you and um just some you know if we've got some young coaches out there listening that they people they should seek out absolutely and i think anybody anybody who has some information that you don't really know i think that's it's an odd thing but i think every university in the world would have some sort of biomechanics lab mm-hmm. uh, every every single one there are some that specialize more in rugby so for instance if you I don't, if you were close to bath for example then you'd be focused quite heavily on rugby that's one of the biggest sports that they look into there uh, there's a lot of money coming from the rfu about tackling and neck strain and that type of thing yeah you get universities tied in with football or horses and then there's less universities tied in with golf certainly here in the uk i mean there's not really the the golf research in the uk i found purely and simply because they don't offer scholarships and we have the weather issue yeah other thing. so just like a lot of the a lot of the up-and-coming stars tend to go to an american university and you can see why, because if you go to Florida, you can play golf all year. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of the golf research biomechanics tend to be American. Okay. And then it's really down to that professor, you know, those universities, which where they go. So I go to as many seminars as I possibly can to learn as, as many new things as I possibly can, but I like to try and work it out myself. Okay. So I'm not a highly educated person. So, I'm not sitting here with a PhD or a, or a master's in physics or biomechanics. I'm doing that sort of learning process now. I don't, and I don't think people ought to get, should be put off um, by the long words and mathematical equations. So I've kind of been to Sasha McKenzie from uh, Canadian university. He's a, a golf researcher. He's mm-hmm. certainly influencing us you know, right now, Mike Duffy, Penn State University, they have a massive golf research program at Penn State. So he has lots of data. The one thing I've learned is, you know, 
is to trust the people who have got lights today to show us your evidence type of thing. Yes. Um, and then Dr. Kwan at uh, Texas Ladies Institute, uh, University. Uh, he's another very big golf researcher, so I listen to him a lot. Um, I, I listen to people like Steve Otto at the RNA. Yes. So, yep. he's, uh, he's obviously doing lots of research. Uh, so he tends to sell himself less. He's got a full-time job at the university, so he's not, he doesn't do that many activities outside working for the RNA. Um, and Eric Wallace at Ulster. Yes. Um, he's, a, he's another person. Again, you know, I, I wish he was more available and, you know, sold himself talk-wise to share some of his, uh, his his findings, really. So, uh, and what a lot of these universities do is they get a PhD student in to do their research for a couple of years to write a paper, and then they're able, in theory, then to sell seminars, you know, on the back of their research. So, and they're all good. I mean, I but I like still like making my own decision on on, on what I see and hear. So, and how how much I can use it you know, within the coaching that we can use. And I always take a view, if you can't measure it, kind of guessing. Yeah. You know, I'd rather not guess really. Yeah. So you, you, you're, you're very similar to me in that I don't think I go to as many seminars as quite as many seminars as you do, but we go to the seminars, we listen, write down lots of questions, go back and try and find out almost ourselves if, if such and such hasn't worked as the way we quite wanted it to work with a student, then it just gives us another tool in the toolbox that we can maybe bring out and, and use with them. Would that be, would that be absolutely right? And that uh, one tool doesn't fit all players. I mean, you know, we don't talk about ground reaction force with every player here. You know, it's, it's it's not, it's some, it's some people. Well, first of all, if you measure somebody, they might be using the ground well, so there's no need to try and improve it. So you look at other areas to improve, you know, so, and, and then for a lot of players, I mean, ground reaction force ultimately gives you more distance and more power in, in your, in your goal swing. Um, that's his biggest contributor. And if somebody's hitting the ball 50 yards offline at the heel, well, there's not really a point yeah. you're talking about how to use the ground. Well, yeah, look, at no. things to get them out, get them hitting the ball out of the middle of the club. So, so you've got to pick and choose, you know, so it's like going to a, it's having something wrong with your body and, you know, you've, you've broken, you broken your toe or something or your ankle or something like that you don't go to a heart surgeon no so, uh, so but we're all sorts of surgeons we're hitting the ball in the middle of club face short game surgeons chipping surgeons curing a slice surgeon so there's all sorts of tools in our box we can use and you've just got to pick the right one i think that's important when it comes to experience in coaching as well so when you when you've got a new person in front of you is do you have a do you have like a uh, a process that you go through within your lessons? So you've asked them the questions, you've found out about them, if they've got any physical issues, right or left handed, what shot pattern they want to hit, and what you know, what how do they want to get better, how you can help them. But do you have an actual process of when they're when they're warming up, hitting balls, is there is there certain steps that you're taking? Well, what I try and do with them, I, I let them warm up for sort of 10 to 20 shots and we'll just have a conversation i'll find out what other sports they've been playing we'll do a, a a quick tpi screen so just see if they're physically able to do certain movements i mean couldn't be different today already mentioned we had the golf pro from cardiff um and a very different lesson a little bit later on a gentleman who'd had a lesson with me 20 years ago yeah the last time he played golf was 
he plays once a year for the last 10 years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's got a golf day coming up in two weeks. He was hitting a few balls on the range yesterday in preparation for this golf day. And he said, I just can't hit the ball in the air. Mm. So a very different approach <laughs> for him compared with the golf from uh, yeah. And his limited time, it's now a half an hour less than so. My, my main job there is to try and get him hitting the ball in the middle of the club and get it going forward. Uh, and then we need to find out if he's got any physical things going wrong. So we'll watch him hit hit balls 20, 20 shots, and then we'll start. We'll probably use a video, the video system as a minimum, but we might look yep. at a swing two or three times in that session. You know, mm-hmm. so but your eyesight can do wonderful things if you just look in the right place. And once you've known where to look in the right place, you can get him going. And then, you know, you might bring in other tools as you feel necessary. It depends whether he's good at visualizing, he's, he's, he's good at perhaps finding feel and touch, you know, in different positions. So we, we, we use the tools by there. So, but the process is they get the email, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to hit, what, what, effort you're going to put in you know um and then we try and talk to them and say well look it would be better if you did this or you did that you know between now and your golf day in two weeks time so it looks mm. very considerable so okay so what i'm going to do now steve i'm actually going to unplug all all of your entire system and give you give you a hundred pounds and say right i want you to set up your academy with a hundred pounds how, how are you going to spend the money Oh, spending the money. So if I had a hundred pounds to spend yeah. on an academy. Okay. So I think the most important thing, uh, which doesn't cost anything. There you go. Okay. It doesn't cost anything is a business. Well, cost a little bit, a business card. Yeah. Okay. Would be number one. Okay. And I would say your time. So successful coaches, that I've had at our facility are the ones that are prepared to walk down the driving range, uh, build a relationship with people that use the driving range, mm-hmm. be, be nice to them and helpful for free. So there's no hundred pounds to spend, except perhaps if you haven't got a business card and to give that little bit of free advice with a view that if the people are in trouble, you know, in the future, they're going to come and ask for you. And they'll remember that because I think people, there's not much free in the world today. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the most important thing in, in hard cash, in, in improving, improving your facility. I would say, make sure you're smartly dressed. So it would be, that would be the first thing and looking professional uh on the range so i think that's all you can probably do for a hundred pound but it's probably the most important it's like giving a golf lesson don't make it if it's a half an hour lesson or an hour's lesson don't make it an hour for the customer make it an hour and 10 minutes okay you know but in your mind you have to do that so the key thing is to give some stuff away for free your time so yes and then is there any any training aids outside of your um outside of all the programs and, and, and the tech that you, that you sell, is there any other training aids that you kind of have in the, uh, at your facility that you use quite often, whether it be alignment sticks, noodles, hula hoops, whatever it is? Yeah, I think, I think, I think alignment sticks are, are vital. I and mean, one of the biggest things that I see wrong, going wrong is, you know, on the range, even in the studio, you have the edges of the mat and it's very easy to aim well, but I mean, you, we get golfers then just walking out to the grass and their aiming is all over the place. So, you know, we can get them out 
perhaps turn the mat so it's more of a diamond shape rather than the two parallel sides, yeah. square mats on the range, and then get them to try and aim correctly and then use alignment sticks, certainly for things like path, initial aiming, um, that type of thing. So, I mean, still today, you see people trying to aim with their feet and the shoulders rather than the club. So, you know, that's the, that's, the, that's the first thing I would say. And then for the amateur golfer, really, the best, kind of tr- the best training aid and the best way they could spend their money, okay, to, to get better is to get a lesson with somebody who has a track record. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if they look out for a coach that has a track record, spend £100 with him, you know, to, to move their game forward. Okay, so, uh, and then don't be afraid to try different coaches as well. So, you know, it's, it's always good to have, a, have a, a decent perspective of your own game. You've got to own it, ultimately. So. And then um, any, any recommendations either on books, videos, uh, online, that where you feel as though people can uh, get some really, really useful information that may help either the, the, the golfer improve, but also the, for the coaches that are also listening to this, um, a way that they could improve? So, book for all golfers, I'd probably go with, my number one would be Search for the Perfect Swing. I think it's as yep. relevant day as it was when Alistair Cochran wrote that book. Yeah, uh, I mean, we were at the seminar celebrating 50 years and, yeah. you know, we had Sasho stand up and, and amongst others and they turned around and basically said it's still relevant today as it was 50 years ago, which was yeah. fantastic. Just, yeah. just did it with a slide rule, basically, rather than a yeah. computer. So, but, but it's still, it's, you know, you know, the laws of physics are still the same, I suppose. So that's quite a, that's quite a, a good book to to start off with. I'd recommend that for any player, really. So who who wanted to know the reason why? Okay, so I think that's always a, an interesting thing. If you want to know the reason why, well, there's the reason why. In yeah. terms of in terms of videos, uh, I quite. I mean, I've just um, there's a couple of guys um, who have just they've been collecting information for quite a long time. Okay, uh, Mark Rato and Sean Webb. Yeah, um, and they have a they have a subscriptional channel, okay, mm-hmm. um, which is worth connecting. You can see what tour players are doing. The, yep. the difficulty and there's a bit of a warning always there is that this information is great, but it might not apply to a specific person because everybody everybody's different. Everybody body type is different. Yeah, now how do you know? So really, a golf lesson you have to look at what you're doing as an individual how you can prove an individual so therefore the only way you can really do that is through a coach who is watching you and measuring you not what a tour player is doing yeah so i think that that's really important and i i, I quite like um uh, a guy called tyler farrell as well so yeah he has a, quite a, a good online is is um i quite like his his, his attitude he, he explains it well he kind of he tries to simplify the science bits, so uh, this, 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 and, I, and I quite like his approach, you know. And he's, um, he's, he's not, he's not. Just, he's, he's selling something, but he, you know, I think it's good value for what he does as well. So these type of forms are all right for building up your knowledge, and I think that's as important for a coach. I get, I get customers that come in and say, oh, "I've just watched so and so online here," and I go, "Oh no, here we go." <laughs> so uh, you know, and I say, well, it doesn't really apply to you because you're not anywhere near that, and you can't even get in that position. So we'll forget that. Let's try again. So it can it can mess people up. So like, I still go back to the advice: you've got to seek yourself out. 
it's something yeah. somebody individually really so i call it applying the duncan filter you know on most websites you get a filter <laughs> and, and i just turn around that's not applicable to you this is and then hopefully it can actually start a conversation of you know between lessons that they will send me a link to something they've read or seen or heard or whatever it is and they say is this applicable to me? And sometimes it is. Like you said, you mentioned uh, Sean Webb and Mike Granato at uh, Athletic Motion Golf. I think the website's fantastic. So I may turn around to someone and say, yes, uh, video 329 on the hips is absolutely perfect for you, but don't watch video 209 on the, I don't know, setup, because that's not what we're looking at at the moment. Because they can they can end up going down a rabbit hole, can't they? They can. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, this is what this tall player does. And I think what happens yeah. is uh, some of it is much, is much about style, you know? So it's, and there's no right and wrong in some of these areas, you know, it's, it's, it's somebody's hair long or is it short? It's a style. Mm. It's not wrong. It's, it's just hair. So I think it, it's very, very difficult for uh, an amateur golfer to filter out that information it can be quite dangerous you know for them you know they can go backwards and i think my, my son's just having some tennis lessons at the moment so he has his tennis tennis lessons and i ask him what he's been doing um and this is typical i think how golfers work by the way i'm a typical amateur tennis player okay and he's my son's much better than me so he goes along to the tennis and says all right he said i've been gripping it like this now see i've got to change my grip and i've got to hold it different with my serve and I'll look at that online. I'll find some guy who's talking about tennis and then, boat, you know, I, I can't then hit it over the net for the next, <laughs> you know, three weeks. And I think that's important. Now, it's also important, the kind of penny drops then as a coach as well, because yeah. you have to understand that some changes are difficult and do take a long time. You know, my son changed his grip at tennis. It took him a month before he could get the ball back over the net properly again. Yeah. So, but he's way, way better again now. And it's learning these things, you know. If you, if you've got, if you're, if you've got a family, you've got kids, get get it done early because then they can just repeat it. Doesn't matter what sport it is, golf is no exception. Just get it done early, learn the basic things at the start, and then you can progress. Brilliant. So you mentioned Tom Watson being your favourite golfer. Mm. Um, do you have a favourite golf course? Well. Favourite golf course versus favourite golf course I've played. I think favourite golf course, I think, would be the top of anyone. I'd love to play Augusta. I've never played Augusta. Mm. So that that would be the famous golf course not played. One of have my... you been to the Masters? Have you actually been? No, I, I missed an opportunity. We have a customer who's um, very close by, Augusta Golf Instruction. Okay. Okay. And he invited me over a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, things transpired that I couldn't go, and I've never really got round to to going. Uh, favorite tournament? Um, the ones that I've been to. So I've never been to the Masters. So I've been to, I've been to U.S. Open, but I've been to the, the Open several times. Fantastic. Makes you still today. Makes you at St Andrews where the bagpipes play the first player on at seven o'clock in the morning. You still yeah hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You know so. Uh, something special there. Yeah. And, and favorite golf course, favorite place. Not necessarily my favorite golf course, but but it is a great golf course. Uh, we've been doing some work uh, on the Isle of Isla. Okay. And there's a new facility there which uh, David Russell has designed called uh, the golf course called the Macri. Okay. Okay. Wonderful place. Just yeah. Beautiful. I, it was in January. 
it was warm in January. The <laughs> day that wasn't raining, I think, at the Isle of Isla. So uh, that's one of my favourite places to go. So uh, so that would be that would be on my list to certainly return. Uh, and then possibly favourite pl- favourite playable golf course. I think I would probably go with. Cool, so many, too many. I still like Sunningdale Old. Yeah. I still like it's, it's awesome. my game. I'm sure I can't hit it very far, comparatively speaking. So these seven thousand five hundred year old golf courses are fairly unenjoyable. Yeah, um, there I can, you know, especially this time of the year where it's a motorway on the fairways. If you can get it, yeah. if you can get it on the motorway, it's you can you can make that work. So and I, I'd like Wentworth as well. So yeah, it's, uh, those couple of courses certainly this country, slightly off the beaten track. Links Golf, probably Birmingham Barrow. Yes. Yeah, uh, I like um, and Woodall Spa. I think is a great, a great course as well. It's just a pity; yeah, it's quite hard to get to, really. So, so if, um, any predictions for the year? Any golfing predictions? Yeah, I think Jordan Spieth is going to win the PGA Championship. Okay, complete the Grand Slam. Yeah, I think he will. I think he's just got that. He can get it round, get the ball round, and I think he can. I think he he will do well. There, I think he he started showed signs this year. Uh, amazing talent for putting a score together. Yes, uh, I'm not a particularly big fan of his golf swing. Um, I'm a fan of his pain stroke when it's on. I mean, he's lost that a little bit recently, but he does. He plays to his strengths all the time, and I think he could do well if they can make the greens tricky. I think he will. He will do fine, and I think they'll tend to make the greens a little bit, a little bit tricky at the PGA. So that would be my prediction this year. Uh, do you listen to any podcasts, Steve? I'm going to start listening to yours. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had. I wish I had more time. So uh, yeah, I should certainly be looking to download a few. I've got a few flights coming up to the US. I'm in. I'm in the US a little bit uh, yeah. next month. So um, so it's a little bit of travelling. So well, so uh, something I should listen to more. So I, I, I suppose I'm, I'm on the internet more than most. I guess so. I'm, okay. I kind of. I kind of What's that? And I'm reading more, so which I think is better for my English, which is usually rubbish. So it's improving my spelling. <laughs> Steve, where can um, young young professionals, young coaches, people setting up, uh, or golf club owners, or people who are looking to to maybe get some technology in their homes or at their golf clubs? Um, how can they get hold of you, Steve? So you can get a hold of me through our website at gaspsystems.com. My personal email is. Steve at gaspsystems.com as well, so they can they can get a hold of me there. All our contact information is on our site, so they can they can give me a ring, and we can organise a demo for them. Whether it's demo software or um, if they want to come and visit us, we're down in the West Country, but we've got plenty of customers around the country. They can also visit. So from amateur, you know, amateur players, if they they want to use some. Of our systems, then we can point them to towards our customers. So, such as yourself, if they're interested in 3D, you've got both KVEST and Gears at your facility. So, you know, direct them there. The, the important thing is, you know, with amateur golfers, if you've got to get it measured, you know, if you're great, great, let's just measure it because then you know where you are. It's like growing, isn't it? You know, the notch, yeah. on, the, the notch on the doorpost. You know, are you bigger this week than you were last week? Am I yeah. weighing more than I did last week? The answer is yes. Well, yeah. Like you said, if someone if someone goes out and shoots the best round of their life, I always want them in. I'd love to get their numbers there and then. 
just mm. after that, whether it be their best putting round, stick them on Sam Putt Lab and see what the stroke's doing. Mm. If it's they're hitting it the best they've ever hit it, then let's stick them on gears and, and collect those numbers. And then when the putting goes off or the swing goes off, we've got a reference point to find out where, where, where we may be losing something. Yeah, and I think even recording in a little notebook and something I try and do with um, my more elite players that come along is to carry a little notebook and make notes directly after the round because you forget how did it feel? What was I thinking of? This type of thing. So you can refer back to it. It doesn't get lost in the Chinese whispers in your head over time, you know. So when you're trying to regain and capture that feel. So measurements is great. You've got to tie it into a feel. So, uh, and sometimes feel is difficult to just grab a hold of so and it's important they make as many notes and as much information taking as you possibly can i think that's true of any successful person not just in sport so any successful person i've met are always making notes always taking notes always have something to refer to fantastic steve as guest of the day you get to ask question of the day question of the day to you or to to your to your listeners to the listeners okay so the question of the day. Uh, what would I say? The question is, how many times do would they think they could shoot a lower score by preparing better for their round of the day? So really looking for, if they arrived at the golf course half an hour earlier, how many how many golfers, you know, the amateur golfers would be prepared to do that and work on their games prior to going out without necessarily working on mechanics or anything, but just to warm up properly. And I would think the percentage would be quite small that they do it now, but I would say it would save them two or three shots around if they did it correctly. There we go. So how how many times or how much lower do you think you would score if you prepared properly for the round? Correct. Brilliant. Steve, thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast. Um, just on a quick note, you know, you do a lot for the young coaches around the country. Um, I know that you you have done and you probably may still do that you sponsor an award um, for the assistance. You know, you go above and beyond um, being someone that sells software systems and helping people set up academies. Um you're always continually to learn. I love spending time with you when we're at seminars, just chewing the fat and doing bits and pieces. Just a, just a big thank you from me and lots of other professionals that have that speak very, very highly of everything that you've done for them, Steve. So not only thank you for coming on the podcast, but thank you for, for being an influence within our industry, Steve. You're, you're, you're fantastic. You're one of the best. Well, that's very kind. Thanks very much for that. Uh, no and I hope I've contributed to your listeners' further enjoyment of their game. Yeah, I hope we get some uh, we get some feedback. If they've got any questions, obviously they can uh, they can give us a rating, give us some feedback, give us some comments on the uh, in the in the rating section, comment section on whatever platform they listen to the podcast on. So we'll we'll see what happens, and I'll feedback to you as well, Steve. All right, great. Thanks, Duncan. Thanks, mate. See you soon. See you. Bye. Bye.